Hey gang, thanks for listening to a special bonus edition of The Hustle. This is my conversation with filmmaker Philip Reichman, and he recently did a documentary on the band Dinosaur Jr. The premiere was about a month ago, but it's now available for streaming. And I thought it would be really interesting, first of all, to get to know this band better. I feel like they're a bunch of very unique, almost non-communicative personalities. How do people like that? Jay, Lou, and Murph, how do they make it work in a band over time, or do they? And so, if you're like me, and I know you are, and just about any rock doc is uh, exciting and interesting and fun to watch, then here's another one. It's called Freak Scene. It's available for streaming now. Um, I just thought it would be really interesting to get to know how Philip went about making a documentary on this band that is so good, but also feels a little bit impenetrable maybe i don't know anyway um check it out and uh here's my conversation with philip get this he's jay mascus's brother-in-law and jay i believe was in the next room while we were having this conversation at his uh home in berlin crazy right where are you located by the way uh, I'm uh, coming from Berlin, Germany. I'm on a heat wave in Berlin right now. <laughs> How hot is it? Cool. It's like oh, in, in Fahrenheit, I don't know, but it's 37 oh. Celsius. It's like, and, and my brother-in-law, Jay Maskus, is here. He arrived Friday from a European tour to have a short break in Berlin. No and it's really funny because it's so hot. And always when he comes, the heat starts. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I don't Crazy. see Jay being good at handling heat. I could see him just, I mean, none of us are, but I could see him just being like, this is miserable. <laughs> it's mysterious with him. He's not sweating, even on oh. stage. Yeah, it's crazy. Really? Like, so, yeah, yeah. He's like not a person who sweats a lot. He drives a lot of bike every, I think every day, 12 or 18 miles every oh. day, even on tour. Yeah. So he's like kind of athletic, you know, and it's weird. He's I'm sweating always right away, but he's like wow. totally takes it easy. But we have what is not common for Berlin. Uh, he got himself an AC when he's here. So there's an AC in use right now. It's kind of funny. <laughs> That's great. Nice. <laughs> you don't see a lot of those in, in Europe. Um, it's funny. We're talking about Jay's physical activity because I always remember in the out there video him up in the mountains wearing skis and I'm thinking does Jay Maskus ski I can't imagine Jay skiing he's a skier he is wow. a super good skier 
Wow. Like, he's just going. Yes. So he's a skier since his youth. And okay. he's a very sportive person. That's always a big misunderstanding with him. He's actually really athletic and like uh, always on the move yeah. with his guitar playing and biking or skiing. So guessed. he's like really, really tough about it. That's wild. So it's so, all was the out there video was really out of the ski passion. That is crazy. Okay. So aside from aside from you being Jay's brother-in-law and a filmmaker of your own right, I mean, when did you decide that it was time to make a documentary on these guys? So the initial start came with the reunion of Dinosaur because I got from Jay the job to do a live DVD. Mm -hmm. And for the live DVD, I interviewed like his, you know, like time spirit, band uh, colleagues from the whole uh, indie scene. And there I realized, oh, wow, there's so much interesting stuff to collect. And so at uh -huh. some point with Jay management, we, we thought, hey, maybe I sh we should, I had partners as well, we should go for it. You know, like there were like uh, some people involved uh, from Berlin. So we just went, the three of us, uh, went on the tour with the band and just hold the camera like crazy on them. Yeah. And that went for a while. Then it wasn't so easy, you know, like to get the funding. Mm -hmm. It took all years, the research, more filming. There was always something happening. Jay was always scared that there won't be <laughs> ever a documentary, but it's a timing mm -hmm. thing. And I thought always when we do it, it's great to have a, a you know, a time span, a bigger time span. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it was right because I like researched like Colombo, their story, you know, I didn't know it. I had it really mm. gone from the interviews, from stuff I read uh, and just from being around them. And it took another probably 10 years till I found partners in Germany wow. who just said, all right, uh, hey, we can give you the money for a low, but low, low budget for yeah. post-production, for the editing and the color corrections and to make a proper theatrical cinematic release. And we were having that through fundings from the German cultural affairs. And nice. that was the initial implosion that all happened, you know, and then we found, so there was a real, uh, we were done exactly when the first pandemic lockdown in Berlin happened. Oh, wow. With the edit and the color correction. That gave me a lot of time to research more on the copyright holders of photographies of third person footage. And, you know, it was like really because I wouldn't I wouldn't care. I just wanted to pick good material. I didn't yeah. care who did it first till yeah. I realized, oh, my God, of course, I have to ask and contact everybody. And that <laughs> took a year, Ooh, you know, I like to finalize that. And then we had a theatrical release in Germany as well right when the pandemic stopped yeah. and oh. cinemas would open then in the uk last year as well in october then march and then we found partners in utopia which was really we we're really psyched about it great uh, for our us release and the rest of the world and i always think i'm a fan since day one of the mm -hmm. band i had the first record in germany when it came out so maybe unconsciously 
that triggered you were a certain meant to invisible do magnetism to yeah. Jay. I mean, I met him five, uh, nine years later, uh, six years later. This is all he, before we, you were married to his, he was married to your sister. We, yeah, my sister was like living already in the uh, in New York. Okay. And I I was, I started with 22 doing for my neighbor and best friend back in the day, Alec Empire of the band Atari Teenage, right? I would yeah. do all the music videos. So we teamed up with the Beastie Boys in the mid-90s for the big Atari Teenage Riot, Wu-Tang, Rage Against the Machine tour, and all the videos. So uh, And Jay and me collaborated really early, like as not only we, we became friends and he liked what I'm doing. So there was as well music video, record covers for him when I was like in my mid-20s. Wow. And... At some point, uh, my sister and Jay were already friends. And hmm. out of that, there became a real relationship and a yeah. child and a marriage and a great family. And That's great. Wild. So there was like somehow it meant was meant to be that. It I feels that way. I, yeah. So let me ask you this. I'm curious because <laughs> I remember I remember so well when Jay went on Mark Maron's podcast and Jay, as you know, is not the most communicative guy in the world. Yeah. And so you've got this band where two of the three, Jay and Lou, are super introverted, not very communicative. And then you got Murph, who's highly articulate and talks a lot and is very good at it. What were the, ch I've always thought, when I'm watching the movie, I'm thinking this has to be, now maybe not so much for you because you're part of the family, but if an outside director came in, this would have to be a challenge to try and get two of these guys to really yeah. open up and tell you a story cinematically. Did you feel any of that? It was really difficult, I have to say. Like when we started the interviews for the DVD, that was like when I, over the years, I did only two interviews with Jay and Lou or the band, like because uh, Jay is... Uh, he just doesn't like it too much, you know. It's yeah. not that, and it's in purpose. He just mm -hmm. doesn't. It doesn't click with him so much as a mm -hmm. as a main thing. He has to do it so often, and he's doing it. And then there are often misunderstandings that people. He needs a little bit time to answer, and then people get nervous and think, "Ah, oh, he hated the answer," so they come with the next one. And then it gets messy, you know. Like mm -hmm. so. But nevertheless, even for me as a family member, and but we always had the total professional mm -hmm. uh, work relationship. I had to, I didn't have it easy to have these interviews with him. You know, mm -hmm. we had to talk and ask and uh, as well when we did it, uh, the first one, you know, I was, I would have had love to have more Mm -hmm. more time but you know at some point it gets its own dynamic and with the band and Lou right when the reunion happened Jay and Lou were really emotional you could tell mm -hmm. in how they talk Lou is still you know like they're on the way on a good way in good terms but mm -hmm. there's still scars from the back you know like and yeah. and Murph like I was as well like we were all really impressed how well Murph could articulate and tell basically as the main mm -hmm. or Lou and Murph basically tell the story in a way. Yeah, and they do. And and it was as well 
for me at some point as well a concept and i kept them with that you know i i thought that's you know it has to be fair everybody every individual has his own story perception and demon to carry mm -hmm. so i wasn't inter interested in exposed gossip i just mm -hmm. was about you know what is real what happened and yeah i was happy that all interview partners as well other people were like without any attitude or you know like sometimes an interview can be like a little bit too facade you know mm -hmm. that you But Definitely. it was all really honest. And I yeah. like that. There's no attitude, no narcissistic. They're all weird, you know, and that's okay. Like, I yeah. like that. I like that about that. It is okay. Anyway. Especially, I think people expect that from Dinosaur Jr., especially Jay and Lou. They know they're like that. So let me ask you this. There's, this, there's that great quote in the movie when Kim Gordon is talking about how They're like most men or boys who don't communicate very well, but then when they're on stage, they kind of bash into each other. And that's how they, that's how men or boys talk to each other or communicate. And then afterwards they go back to their separate areas. You, you talk about in the movie, in fact, it's kind of a big part. I think it's in 89, late eighties, they, they're, they get stuck in Idaho and yeah. this is when apparently like the band falls apart, but I was fuzzy on why what happened i mean the band the van breaks down and they're stuck in like a motel room in idaho small town idaho for a while what happened specifically in there that made it so different after that they were stuck and like jay says in the movie they loved you know when they toured with sonic youth their first real tour through the states that was a lucky thing for them like being like cameras on tour enjoying like a like you know like an adventure uh -huh. but then the dynamics between them probably became and more passive aggressive from Jay's and Lou's side, or maybe Lou was just defending himself, but maybe that was provoking Jay. I don't know, mm -hmm. but I heard from, uh, from other people that there were daily things where they would, you know, Yeah, get under each Run other. Run against each other. It, it could start with a remote control to control the video film they watch yeah. or the channel. Yeah. Or like then I think Lou did some weird shit as well to some other stuff. Then Merv freaked out and nearly was attacking uh, Lou. But that was a little bit later that Lou, uh, Merv was sleepwalking one time and he, he was like a gorilla or something. And then... Mm. Jay was scared. Oh my God, he will kill Lou. He looks like he's going to kill somebody. So there was this weird energy. And I think during the Idaho hotel, when they had to wait, they had no money. The, the, you know, for, for, okay, there were, I think, even maybe still teenagers. Mm. The record is not out yet. They tour. It's like, you know, then they're stuck. The cars getting, breaking down all the time. And then, I think I even know it from a travel with a friend where a little detail yeah. can be just too much. Mm -hmm. And I think they went over that mm -hmm. just by being to spare money in one hotel room. You know, it wasn't wow. about, I don't know, smelly feet, who <laughs> sleeps where, who eats when, who controls the buttons, uh, who provokes who with what, you know, and 
Yeah. Uh, I could uh. see Jay being, he's saying it even, like he was mean at that time, like, or he was like especially evil to Lou. Yeah. And, yeah. and that made, yeah, probably Lou rebel, and yeah. which is totally understandable. And, you know, and that got at some point that they had maybe an invisible rivalry, which, Lou was developing to find his own voice, and that's somehow as well understandable. So sure, but I understand well, he, as well, Jay. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And Lou did well, you know, when he when he did leave the band. Sebado was a great band too. So he obviously did have something to say. I'm curious, yeah. you being kind of on the inside and knowing these guys for as long as you have, I hope that there has been a lot of maturity in that relationship and that it, them being out there now, the shows they play are not to kind of cash in on nostalgia, but to, because they kind of like each other now. Do you see that? Have they grown up and are okay being around each other? They don't have to be best friends, but can they at least exactly. learn to get along and all that yeah. kind of stuff? Good. I think so. I think Lou and Jay both, you know, got became grown-ups, family fathers. Mm -hmm. uh, they realized as well that they have something really special together. Mm -hmm. And many people, and I, I'm like, you know, I really love as well, I love all Dinosaur albums. I love yeah, Mike Johnson's same. part of it. I like George Bird's part. Like, who was in there, was contributing, amazing, you know, mm -hmm. stuff. And But with Lay, Jay and Lou, is somehow the essence of the band as well, you know, and yeah. uh, the as well the great music came probably out of the conflicts, like many bands. I just watched the new series with Jay together here in Berlin yesterday, The Pistols. Oh uh, yeah, about I haven't the watched Sex it Pistols. yet. Yep. Mm -hmm. Was interesting, you know, like this is kind of you know like a real series, like uh, by done by actors. Mm -hmm. So the the dynamics between them now, they realized that. It's worth it, like, you know, as you said, they don't have to be, uh, you know, best buddies or hang out always, but together on stage, they can create a certain atmosphere, which is so unique, mm -hmm. where they all realize, hey, well, that's important. And then they were reuniting and they even do amazing albums, yeah. you know, so yeah. it's a very, a very lucky rare thing as well it is in a way you know that you have that that you can they are not a they're not compromising band they they really played always jay's playing what he's doing and he is in he's so involved in so many songs collaborating with other people every time you know any moment any month there's something cool yeah you can find with them and with lewis as well they're like workaholics like yeah. Lou and Jay are both like real workaholics like every both people um, and I don't know Lou that well I have mm -hmm. to say I know him from the touring since mm -hmm. 2005 that's when I met him as well mm -hmm. I'm I don't I saw the early Berlin shows of Dinosaur in the mid and 80s but I missed out on you know the the past and the real conflicts I learned from all the interviews. Yeah. But they, I'm happy that they're cool with each other. They me just too. came from a tour. Great. So let me ask you this. I'm curious. Um, you know, we know that Jay carries on his dinosaur. We know that, as I said, uh, Lou goes on and does Sebado. What does Murph do? 
when Murph leaves, in between the time he leaves and comes back for the reunion, what's that, 2005 or something? Where is Murph in all of that? Does he go get a regular job? Does he play with other bands? I don't even know. Murph was like, you know, it's like interesting that you say that because the original edit of the documentary is three and a half hours and we Whoa. timed it down to 82 minutes because at some time it really gets its own dynamic and the picture, the imagery. So basically the long version was the rough edit to, you know, to be really precise. And there's in the long version of, uh, as well. So Murph basically quit the band, jammed a lot with Simon and Garfunkel's son and some other weird uh, really? kind of celebrity kids for some time. Then he joined the band Lemonheads with Evan Dan. Oh, he did? It was a crazy time for him. He said I believe that it. was like in, in one year, million times more happening than with Dinosaur yeah. in terms of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, of course. Like, Evan's a nut. Like yeah, Dinosaur. I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, then I think he had. He he really had some years like where where he was like kind of yeah like cruising like jam I don't know like a real job about a real job but he was here and there mm -hmm. doing projects or touring and and when you know the reunion Murph always thought that it won't happen again you know that it's mm -hmm. really over and so when it happened he was so psyched and really he is the you know the the most communicative in the band and yeah. the most, you know, he's still very charismatic and fun to hang out with. Yeah. And really sweet guy as well. He See, went through a lot. Tell. Yeah, he's super awesome. I, I love yeah. Murph. Like, he's I do too. Just amazing. And he is such a great drummer. I mean, he, he has is. a, after his, after, he breaks the sticks, you know, in a song. It's amazing. He has a, this weird, a frame delayed possibility to hit a rhythm different to come a little bit delayed and he's just as well like Lou Jay they, they all add something so special and unique yeah. and that's and that's comes from their resource of their youth yeah. and yeah. I'm I'm psyched for them that they still Me too. can do that and that Murph and they're all like communicating like Kim is still saying they're communicating and not communicating. Yeah, that's it. And that's exactly what I wrote down. That's it. Yeah. But they don't attack each other anymore. It's not important. They talk through the music and... Yeah, that's yeah. it. There's that kind of bombshell. Maybe I knew this and I forgot, or maybe I never knew this, that Kurt Cobain had invited Jay to join Nirvana. Is that true? Two times. Two times. Really? Yeah, he was like, uh, I think... He said it two times for him, to him. One time at the uh, at some New York show where Thurston was as well as in the movie. Uh, I think there was something with that the band uh, wanted to exchange guitar players like in the early days and uh, it kind of happened. Uh, but Kurt asked Jay and then there was another, he asked him again. But as Jay said in the film, like he was bigger at that time yeah. And he was always like, it wasn't an option for him at that time. Right, right. And then, I thought who that knows, so maybe it was right. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, but it's understandable. They mm -hmm. they have, all these bands have one thing really in common, and that's the, the volume, the love for 
loud frequencies, if it's My Bloody Valentine, Sonic mm -hmm. Youth, Nirvana, Kushkadu, Dinosaur, Matani, all, yeah. yeah, all yeah. of them, they have that in common. And that, yeah. and the Nirvana band, they had the really luck with this amazing voice of Kurt Cobain. And this mm -hmm. is like really, you know, the music all, all together was like really opening ears for a lot of people and for I think for the Kurt Cobain guy Jay was maybe one of the guitar players he really liked at that time and he could have I mean, seen him on board or doing well and yeah. there is one there's one when Nirvana got uh, into the Hall of Fame I remember there were all these you know anniversary uh, there was a big show in the Hall of Fame and then afterwards like a club show And I think Jay played school with Nirvana. And that is crazy because if you check it out on YouTube, not only that Jay plays it, of course, the guitar perfect, but he sounds even like, like oh, I could see probably that. the closest to Kurt yeah. I could hear. That was kind of scary. Like <laughs> it would have been a good choice, but it yes. didn't happen. But <laughs> yes. he played. Well, it's, I mean, it all worked out as it's supposed to, obviously, because instead we got two great bands instead of one. But um, yeah. yeah, I, uh, I, you know, the, all those bands you just mentioned, uh, there's a, it's almost like they, there's a, the root is hardcore. Their, their sensibilities are in hardcore. The roots are in hardcore. And punk. And punk, exactly. Punk. Yeah. Right. And punk. But almost all of them, wanted to branch it, expand it a little bit, infuse a little bit of pop, not a, not a ton of pop, but just um, there's the guy I blanking on his name who's in the movie. And he says, you know, I've always thought of dinosaur junior more as a pop band because they yeah, wrote that's songs. Byron. Yeah, that's it. Byron Foley. Because they write He's songs that are catchy, but like we said, they're rooted in the, in the punk and hardcore. Yeah, yeah. it's totally, I totally agree. And, Uh, what I like as well, uh, it's totally true. Uh, Dinosaur or Nirvana or even Sonic Youth, they had the quality to bring uh, a really loud sound into the radios yeah. by adding maybe some more friendlier uh -huh. melodies. And then yeah. the good thing is that they rip it, you know, and mm -hmm. that makes it so interesting. And that is definitely the heritage of, you know, extreme music from inspired from Velvet, early Velvet Underground to Stooges, yeah. which is for Jay really a big influence. There's always. that scene with the Ashtons and Mike Watt yeah. in there. That was, yeah. that was amazing. That Especially was when amazing. you think the Ashtons are gone. That's so yeah. sad. Yeah. I was there with them. I filmed these moments and yeah. it was so amazing to see, uh, you know, Ron and Scott as well. So basically uh, they did these uh, raw power gigs throughout Europe and I think even one in the States. And that made Iggy really get the Stooges back together. And that was so exciting. I think a year later I'm in Berlin and I'm going to a real Stooges show. You know, I met... Uh, yeah. I mean, Mike Watt is a friend of the family of Jay since decades and great, you know, collaborator. And then seeing Iggy and the Ashton brothers as well, getting the credit they deserve late, but at least they got it, you know, made me really, really happy, you know, yeah. like to, to see them perform. And the shows were 
so amazing, you know, I believe like, it. yeah, I believe it. Really there was another line in there that I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> I thought it was interesting <laughs> when Murph decides he wants to leave the band and he goes to, he tells us to Jay and Jay was like, you know, if it's just not fun anymore, don't do it. And Murph says, when was this ever fun? You know, this was, this has never really been fun. In fact, at another point, he says, you know, I just wish these two meaning Lou and Jay would just grow up already and just say, let's do this. You know, let's be men. Let's make this our career. Let's do it right. And it never quite got there. Do you think, how did they make it work for so long in spite of it not being fun? Is it just because they were just, they ha- it, it's work to rock that hard? I mean, what, what do you think was motivating them? I think when you go, I witnessed it as well with many bands, uh, as what I said with the Atari Teenage Riot Band as a close friend as well. Then with later uh, the Dinosaur story, I knew or found out later. But, you know, when you're a young band, being thrown into the rock circus and as well a band being a cool band, you know, like kind of a cult band, mm-hmm. which is already difficult to be. I mean, everybody wants to be a cult band, you know, like, of Good course. So if you're already a young kid being a genius or having the luck in early days, like somehow hitting the time spirit so hard that really people go crazy for it, that is on one side such a blessing, but then, like actors, young actors, the the business yeah. infiltrates yeah. you, yeah. and the people kiss your ass. And I mean, I'm you know I'm really critical anyway. I was doing music videos. I I know the music industry very well, mm-hmm. and I know uh, majors very well and how stuff works. Bob Mo talks really well about it. That. You know, there's something original and then there are the thousand copies to cash it in. And when that happens, you know, so I think there was a lot of at some point when it got bigger, there's an expectation from fans from Jay is an ambitious guy. That's Mm -hmm. for sure. He's always putting himself in new challenges as well musically at that time, probably. And I would say that you probably come to a point where you where it's a running unit as a business, you know, and they got bigger. The grunge thing took off. And then, as he said in the movie, then uh, so sad when the suicide of Kurt Cobain happened, then they were all right, fuck, there's no golden calf we can uh, milk, you know, like, so yeah. let's create new ones. And so it's, I don't know, it's like, it's tough probably. And so probably the fun goes away by that. Yeah. And, and fun goes is away. a very sensitive Perfect. guy. And he talks as well about abuse, uh, like his substance of use abuse. Yeah. And back in the rock and roll business, that's, I mean, like everybody had his experiences more or less. Dinosaur is definitely not in general a band which is dedicated to it or yeah. is standing for it since Jay and Lou are not, or, you know, like didn't live that lifestyle. And so when the fun goes and it turns into paranoia or panic attacks, or even in Murph's wow. case into physical reactions before a show, yeah. then, you know, oh shit, oh, that there's something now hits it you know and but then of course you go and then 
you realize, oh my God, I miss that circus, that attention, that, I mean, at the end of the day, you get treated like a rock star, you know, yeah. like, and he was as well. So mm -hmm. even though he did maybe make made uh, for his taste enough money or like he would have more expectations, but I could see that being frustrating and yeah. then, you know, realizing you realize, you realize, react And then you realize, oh my God, that is like really my life. Oh my right. God, I cut the tree I'm yes. sitting on, you know? And But that's okay as well at the end of the day. Oh, it's true. We were lucky. And I mean, there's know? so many bands that have done this exact thing. I mean, it's so difficult for whatever reason for bands to stay together through it all from being the, the small times in the, in the hotel rooms or the big times when you're on a major or the post big times. I mean, hardly anyone ever navigates those waters perfectly. I have two, I have two last questions for you. One, what is yeah. Jay's religion? I don't know. Because it's Indian. So like, they get they got married the, by the, the Indian woman, guy. The, and, yeah. The, there's like the I can tell you. Like so I don't know exactly if Jay's family has a Catholic background or Protestant. I I think I'm not sure, like I, I can't really proper answer that, but in India there's a woman called Amaji and she is even from the government accepted as a saint, a reincarnation oh, of a saint. Okay. And she is, so even the president accepts that her. Wow. She just hugs people and gives a certain energy, like a cleansing. I did yeah. that as well and I'm more an artistic person, I would uh -huh. say, like I, I respect religions like oh. all of them like and i find in in everyone something very interesting or you know understandable yeah. or at the end of the day we're all humans who come and go sure. whatever happens before or then mm -hmm. there are many ideas okay yeah. but but yeah. with shay it's like he was just not feeling probably fine with like in general looking for many things in his life, you know, and uh, I remember it because I was with him at the first meeting. So he went in Germany uh, in 94. Me, Jay, and Kevin Shields went of My Bloody Valentine, went to a woman called Mother Mira, and she would look into your eyes. And she and they are like, with their spirituality, they, they do some cleansing with you. Huh. And it's really weird. I went there as well. And the energy, the closer you get, you have to wait in line till you get a hug, for example, from Amaji. Amaji, since her, since her youth, is doing that her every day, hugging 20,000 wow. people every day worldwide. She's touring. Uh, she, the money people donate, uh, she uh, supports children, uh, child prostitutes. There's a hospital she built. She kind of has a little, her own, You know, I don't know if it's a village, a little town, but her own structures to help people in India. So she's really, I respect that, you know, and I yeah. don't know if you could say that she is like a god or, you know, how would you call her? Yeah. I cannot yeah. say. But no, you were right, something like a saint, something like that. Yeah, like some person who is like really feeling energy. So mm -hmm. I went there like, I think with Shay in Detroit on a dinosaur tour, we went there and it was crazy. Like this energy, 
I was uh, as well pretty dark at that time, mm-hmm. like drinking a lot, the typical, you know, touring with the bands. And I was uh, drinking alcohol. I, I don't drink since 13 years. A certain darkness makes you sick, depressed, whatever. So when I went there, it was crazy. Like you feel a real high energy from this woman. You, The closer you get. And then when she hugs you, there's really something happening. I can't describe it. I did a telepathic therapy to stop drinking and smoking cigarettes. So that helped me. And it worked. And it worked. So there's some cool energy from this woman. Yeah, like that's in many, wild. Yeah, it's wild. It's pretty wild. It's really those images. Experience. Those images in the movie of Jay at his wedding, and and you mentioned the you know following her and him following her and stuff. And I thought, I don't, I don't know what this is. It feels kind of different or unique. And I was curious what it was. Um, okay, last question. I'm curious what yeah. your favorite Dinosaur Junior song is. That's difficult. It's like I mean I like of course as well the new songs, but. I'm somehow programmed, of course, from the first three albums. Uh-huh. And like, of course, like songs uh, like Little Fury Things, Forget the Swan or Freaks in Just Like Heaven, Let It Ride, Buck Album. So they're, depending on the mood, yeah. many songs which made my teenage soundtrack somehow. So it's really hard yeah. to say which is my favorite okay. when I have. Too many favorites, maybe. I know what you maybe mean. there are five real favorites, you yeah. know, and that's like just like heaven, little fury things, uh, even the chunks version, of course, freak scene, forget the swan in the jar, something like that. Ah, uh, good ones. I like all those too. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So where now the movie had its premiere at the end of May, but it's now streaming. Is it on a specific streaming service or can you rent it from iTunes? What's the plan? If someone heard this and wants to go watch it, what do they do? It's coming out on, you know, like Utopia had partnered up with, of course, Apple TV and uh, iTunes. And uh, we were really happy and lucky that the first show in New York, the first premiere was uh, combined with a small concert of Jay, like six, five, six tracks. And that was really amazing. And our cinematic start made a chart in the US movie independent charts on number, I think, wait, what was it? Four or six or something, which was amazing. And on Apple Docs and iTunes, it was as well in the top five. So it's we're really happy. And there's like, uh, I think you can on Prime, you can rent it. Oh, good. But it's not, it's not SWOT. It's all TVOT. You know, it's not for free in a Netflix or something. At mm-hmm. the moment, this is coming at a different point. Yeah. But another good thing which will happen that we are, uh, we're planning, I guess, on a Blu-ray DVD release as well this year for the fans. And like this will be special, really cool additional bonus materials, like more interview talks off band and people, as I said, there's so many people not in the movie where I'm always so sad. And as I said, doing that, a film becomes at some point its own creature in a way and has its own dynamic and some stuff, just didn't fit anymore so 
I have this amazing uh, moments with Mark Lanigan in the moment we Ooh, prepared a German really? oh. where we prepared it. We prepared in March and February. I prepared a German uh, Blu-ray thing and I was editing everything together. Lee Ronaldo wasn't in the movie, mm. but he supplied us with all his amazing footage of the tour that's filmed from him of yeah, Sonic wow. Youth. And so there are many people, Matani, uh, Fred Armisen is even, or, you know, like many really? people, mm -hmm. like relatives, whatever. So, but the weirdest was, I always loved Mark Lanigan and we have really great moments with Shay, Lee Ronaldo and Mark Lanigan when they were in 2009, I think, or seven doing a, for the Don't Look Back uh, Bob mm -hmm. Dylan film, they were all jamming together for the film on stage and so there were really funny stories about him and I finished it, wanted to, and then four days later, I heard that he passed away. It was oh. so sad. Like, oh, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. So there will be something special, hopefully okay. coming. Okay. As well um, this year. Well, Philip, I'm glad you made this movie. I think fans will appreciate it. People who Thank love you. rock docs will appreciate it. I People who so. don't know Dinosaur Jr. very well will appreciate it. So thank you for making yeah. this movie. It's great. And thank you for having me. It was fun. All right, there you have it. My conversation with Philip Reichman. Thank you, Philip, for talking with me. That was pretty cool. Uh, and guys, check out the movie if you want. It's available in like iTunes. I don't think it's free. You would have to pay for it or rent it right now, anyway. But um, check it out. If you're like, I mean, isn't that the beauty of a rock doc? Is that you don't even have to like the band or the music or care about them, but they're so much fun to watch that you come away from almost all of them more curious and wanting to know more about that artist. That's how I feel anyway. And so it's worth your time. I want to close it out. <laughs> I was trying to think of what my favorite Dinosaur Jr. song is, and I couldn't pick one, but I remember the first one that really made an impression on me was this one right here, Blah. And if <laughs> I discovered this kind of a weird way. I, uh, back when Columbia House was a thing, or BMG or whatever, I sent away for the Melrose Place soundtrack. The TV show had a soundtrack, and this song was on it. And that was my introdu introduction to Dinosaur Jr. I mean, I, I had heard songs on the radio, and I knew who they were, but this was the first song that really grabbed me. So I thought it would be fun to kind of go full circle on this. Uh, anyway, thanks everybody for listening. Check out the documentary.
of destiny.